You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy. Good evening. We are listening to The Happiness Hub podcast with me, Kedron. Liz is not with me today and Ben's taking a well-earned break from looking after everybody's gratitudes this week. So we've started our six-week wellness program, The Happy Happy. Um, we had a fantastic Zoom session with Liz, Ben and I and our, our participants on Sunday night. And we do still have places if people wanted to get involved. We've got five places left. It's not too late to join us at any stage. We're sort of halfway through our gratitude week. So please do get in touch with us. Um, we have actually launched a website last night. Liz and I was working on it to uh, make sure it was well, working while we were doing the happy happy. So um Yes, we've got that. So just search uh, Happy Happy uh, UK and you can find us and um, get involved and get in touch if you want to join our Happy Happy. So we're into coming into the second week of our wellness programme. As I said, Ben has been doing gratitude this week. So everybody has been writing down their five things that they're grateful for and getting that as a, a new habit and practicing that over the next six weeks. And the next week, we will be talking about self-care. So I've been joined today in our virtual Zoom studio, Liam Hand. And um, Liam is actually a good friend of Ben. So we've just been having the chat about how you know each other. So hello, Liam. Thank you ever so much for joining us today. Yeah. Hi, Catherine. It's nice to, nice to be on. Thank you for inviting me. That's quite all right. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we've met some fantastic people during the uh the duration of our podcast so it's always nice to meet somebody new and somebody a little bit further afield so Liam um, how would you describe yourself a transformational coach is that correct yeah I kind of rebranded myself recently actually so I do call myself a transformational coach now it used to be more I used to just call myself hypnotherapist actually uh, oh. but I realized my work is it's definitely developed into more than just hypnotherapy now it's more about the coaching um, co- coaching and hypnotherapy different therapies different techniques mm-hmm. combined to help people to uh, move beyond blocks, release anxiety, release fear, and to um, develop confidence, self-esteem, and and to really kind of grow into the greatest version of themselves. I suppose sounds a bit cheesy, but <laughs> sounds cheesy, but it sounds pretty good actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we, that, we hope we hope it. I certainly hope it will be good anyway. I always remember because we were talking earlier that um, we had a, a, a hypnotherapist on, um, Nigel, absolutely lovely bloke. And he talked a little bit about it being a bit like being able to switch off that negative part of your, of your brain. And I was like, oh, and everybody would want to do that, surely, wouldn't they? Is that is that kind of part and parcel of it? Have you used that term or phrase? Yeah, I, could, I, I certainly can relate to that. Yeah, I think it's um, a case of... You know, I think at, at your core, I think anyone at the core has, um, you know, has well-being. I think we have well-being at our core. Naturally, we have a, a blueprint of, you know, the, the the best version that we could be underneath. And I think sometimes, you know, the mind does get in the way. Yeah. So, you know, anything we can do to, you know, to, to kind of to get rid of the fear, to get rid of the anxiety or, you know, the, ch- the mental chatter that kind of gets in the way. Because I think most people tend to get in their own way uh, rather than it being about anybody else. It tends to be people getting in their own way. So. Um, it's all all about helping people to move beyond that and to yeah to really grow into that the true potential Mm. yeah I'd I'd agree with that there's like sort of mental boundaries that we put on ourselves and the fear of doing anything because fear of failure is a big thing isn't it I would say yeah fear fear of failure fear of 
uh, fear of being humiliated as well, fear, fear of being um, unloved, you know, all, the, all these kind of things. There's a lot of different fears, I think, that obviously fear, there's fear in general, but I think there's definite, like, um, there's some main ones that really affect people. Um, and you can see that in the, the fear of public speaking, which is, okay. I, I think it's, I think it's, it's really common. It's definitely over 50% of people have it. And uh, I think, I can't remember what percentage it was, but there's a percentage of people, a good percentage of people that actually fear public speaking more than death, apparently. So <laughs> Blimey. Yeah, it's quite high. <laughs> so it's, it, it's amazing how fear holds people back. I wonder what the percentage are on death by public speaking. <laughs> that would yeah, probably be the yeah, best yeah, thing to go. Yeah, I have to look that one up, to be honest. <laughs> so, Liam, tell us a little bit about yourself then. So what uh, led you to become a transformational coach? What, where did your journey sort of start? Uh, so I, I was originally in teaching um, after university. I went into teaching, you know, primary school teaching um, and just found that it wasn't for me, really. You know, I, I, I did enjoy some aspects of the job. I enjoyed the person, you know, the interaction with the children and interaction with the, with the other staff. But I just didn't I didn't enjoy most of the aspects of the job. Let's just say that. And I'd always been interested in the mind, always been interested in well-being, always been interested in uh, spirituality as well. Um so it was always an interest for me to learn more about the mind and learn more about psychology, learn more about, um, you know, hypnosis, NLP, those kind of things. So over time, I just decided to, to start doing qualifications, just um, learn about NLP, first of all, which I found fascinating, just loved it. And, you know, I, w when you kind of go into this kind of work, I, I mean, for me anyway, I certainly felt like it, it didn't feel like work, whereas teaching felt like a hard, hard slog, um, to be honest. Whereas when I went into this, I really felt like, you know, it just didn't feel like work. And um, over time, I learned different strategies, different techniques uh, and kind of came up with a combination, which I think works, works really well. And, you know, just I just really enjoy working with people one to one and in groups. And um, yeah, it's just it's kind of it's very easy when you enjoy it, I think. Oh, God, definitely. Yeah. And what do they say? If uh, you enjoy what you do, you never have to work again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it's like. So what made you choose sort of NLP, which came first? You said NLP first before hypnotherapy. What, yeah. what uh, drew, drew you to those sort of therapies? Good question, really. I mean, NLP was just, I, I just stumbled across it, really. And, um, you know, I was reading about it. And, and as I read more and, you know, watched videos and people talking about it, I just, I was really fascinated by it. And, you know, I just really enjoy the simplicity of a lot of NLP. The fact that it uses, you know, metaphor a lot, I really like, because obviously subconscious mind works in metaphor which i think is really really important so metaphors and symbols and things like that are really helpful in therapy and coaching i think yeah nlp is just quite it's, it's quite a broad field as well you know there's a lot of uh, metaphors a lot of language stuff which i've always been interested in language and uh, how language and words can be used to affect change mm -hmm. so yes yeah, so i just found it in a, a really fascinating field when i first discovered it and, and it kind of it was interesting though because I, I hadn't really heard of it until about a couple of months before I did the course. Um, and then, you know, I discovered it, thought I've got to do this. It was just one of those urges you get and you think, you know, I've got to, I've got to do this, got to pursue this. And um, so I went, I went up, I went up to Glasgow to do my course actually, which was, which was really interesting. Mm, right. Okay. Up in Glasgow. Yeah. I do like, I do like Scotland. We usually go there um, every year if we can, but I feel a little bit out of my depth talking about NLP because Lizzie is uh, our NLP practitioner but um, interestingly enough, um, she does, Liz has taught me quite a lot about some of the things that she's picked up, the certain things that always kind of um, stick with her and she refers to. 
but I've just started doing like an NLP course on um, online. So for any of our listeners that, um, that uh, don't know what it is, it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And what how, could you could you kind of summarize in a nutshell for us what 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 that actually means? Okay, <laughs> this is going to be challenging. I mean, the thing is, I, I'm probably not the best person to um, to kind of define this, but I'll, I'll give it a go. I mean, I, I think you know, neuros to do with the brain yeah. and to do with the processing of the brain, and you know, you think about your neurons in the brain and how how neurons fire together. Neurons that um wire together fire together i think that's the thing i think it's oh yes i've, I've heard i've heard Liz say that yeah um and so neuros to do with the the brain uh, linguistic is obviously to do with language which you talked about yeah yeah, yeah language and how you, how words can be used to well how how words are used you can analyze things through nlp you can analyze language but also how we can use words to affect change and then if you think about programming the mind is being programmed from in the moment we're born really mm-hmm. uh, so i always think it's like a a positive way to program the mind differently in a way um and to yeah to, to release old programming that's not kind of serving you or is holding you back in some way you know a lot of people have well we all have a lot of programming and i guess the longer you live the more programming you pick up but particularly those first seven years of life are really crucial to because you know you're, you're kind of like a sponge up for those first mm. seven years you know, the brain waves are different and things like that. So you're more receptive to information and taking it in. Um, so those so NLP is, I think, a good way of changing that programming, altering that programming. That's the, that's the way if I was going to describe it very simply, there's loads of different aspects to NLP. There's, you know, body language side as well. There's that, that side of it as well. So there's, there's many different um, aspects to it, really. Yeah, I did promise I wasn't going to throw you any curveball questions. I felt like that was a little bit of a bit, bit of one. That's so, so okay. what NLP is all about. Well, I have a few NLP practitioners just sort of uh, messaging me and saying, oh, not, yeah, that wasn't quite right. But yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I've kind of explained that in a way that people, because I think you've got to keep it simple for people who haven't heard of it. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. Because uh, at one point I hadn't heard of it. I think it's a massive subject, I, you know, even just like the first couple of modules that we've been doing. And I'm like, crikey, yeah, there's, a, there's an awful lot to it. But I suppose that's because we are quite complex human beings. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit more about kind of the work that you do with your clients. So, you, you know, you mentioned about the different ways that you help your clients and, and different sort of things that you help them with. And looking at your website, you, you know, you, you said about sp- this sort of sports performance, you've got some corporate wellness and things in there. So it looks like you've got quite a diverse range of services. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, at one point I tried to niche. Um, in a, I, was, I was looking at niching in anxiety, helping people with anxiety at one point, but I've just realized that I like a big variety of, you know, mm. I like to, I like to kind of um, dip my toe in different, in different aspects, different areas, really. And, you know, I think there's, you know, there, there is a lot to be said about having a bit of variety. Um, and I do think that the, you know, the coaching, the, the coaching that I do does, it can apply, in, it can apply in a lot of different areas. You can, you know, it can be used for just people coming in with anxiety or phobias or fears or um, wanting more confidence in a particular situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also be applied to, yes, yeah, sports people who want to uh, take their game to a new level, if you like, or, want to release fear what, what kind of want to release that fear about performance you know performance anxiety and taking their game to a new level so there's yeah it can be applied to a lot of different areas i work in schools as well so i work with uh, with my background in schools obviously um you know i work with um schools on the well-being side and i've you know for a while up to the last up to the first lockdown i say i was working in a secondary school um one one day a week um and 
yeah, I go into primary schools quite regularly um, to do staff meetings for the teachers, things like that, and sometimes working with children one-to-one as well. Mm-hmm. So what I quite like about person-centred counselling is the fact that you can use it for a variety of different presenting is- uh, conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my experience is working North Staff's Mind in Stoke, and so we've got such a diverse range of clients coming in there. And I had this preconception for some reason that when I was going to start there, that it would just be ladies that I'd be counselling. But the majority of people I actually saw was of men, which was quite surprising, um, particularly because I think there's still a lot of stigma about men talking about mental health and things. Uh, but I suppose also in that aspect, and I don't know if this is something that sparks your interest, you're always learning. So if you're working with so many different people on different kinds of coaching, you're going to be learning and improving your kind of knowledge um, around stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's really interesting because, you, you know, it's like when I was a teacher as well, you always, you learn from the, from the children as well. And, and it's the same with my work now, you know, I learn, I learn from my clients as well. So, um, you know, having, having a variety is really good. You know, I think um, versatility is, um, I think, one of, well, I would say it's one of my strengths, really, uh, being able to adapt to different situations. So when, uh, you know, I think you've got to go with what really lights you up in life. And, and for me, when someone told me to niche, I just got a, I got a bad feeling about it. It does suit some people, but I really do enjoy variety. And I think, I feel like it brings out the best of me when I have that variety. Yeah. Um, I like what you were saying about, like you said, you got a feeling when somebody told you uh, to be niche. Like uh, we sometimes talk about it, like your gut feeling. And somebody yeah. used to refer it to me, I don't know if you heard this phrase, as a little professor. That's the thing. I love that saying. It's always stuck with me. Yeah, it, it is. You, you've got to, you've got to go. I mean, you've got to go with your gut um, as much as you can. I think. Depend. I, I say that, but I've actually. I mean, I, I won't go into it too much. But I've kind of. There's another um, system that I've gone into recently called Human Design, and um, that it's it's kind of going on to a, a different level, really. But it's kind of um, uh, what it's what it kind of comes up with. What it kind of shows you is that people are different some people are meant to go with their gut and other people are better going with their intuition if there's a difference some mm-hmm. people are better um waiting for a bit to make a decision wait you know yeah. wait until they get emotionally clear on something so it's kind of um i think how you feel is a really good guide generally if you feel and i just didn't feel i just didn't feel right um going you know narrowing it down to really a really niche area yeah, we're all very different, aren't we? And I think that's probably one of the most interesting things about doing a career like this is, is, is looking at our differences. So Liam, I've specifically asked you to come on today to talk a little bit about self-care because this is what our uh, next week is about. So is self-care something that you talk a lot with, with your clients? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's really important for, for my clients and I, yeah, I always mention it. And actually one of the things that I do with my clients at the, at the end of the session if you know if they've come for their first session or whatever i give them a booklet with different techniques different strategies that they can use that are easy right. and simple they take away they take uh, take that away with them mm-hmm. so uh, things like um, the tapping because i use um thought field therapy which is a form of tapping a bit like eft in the uh, in the sessions and then at the end i write down some tapping signatures for them, for them to use at home if they need them uh, now sometimes people don't don't need them but it's kind of it's a very like um, simple way. It's a simple booklet shows some very easy techniques that you can do very quickly. So I don't know much about those because you, you mentioned in your email and I was like, I don't know what thought, thought field therapy. Did you say it's yeah, called? thought field therapy? So, so people may be more familiar with EFT emotional freedom technique, which is 
which is tapping with the fingertips on meridian points on the face of the upper body. Mm -hmm. And when you tap on those points, you can release emotions, you can release um, stress, anxiety, any kind of trapped emotion that's kind of in the energy system. That's the theory behind it anyway. Um, and I use a form of tapping called uh, TFT, which is thought field therapy. So it's slightly different to EFT. Um, there's a, a very specific sequence for, for, for specific emotions. And when you tap um, in a certain sequence, you can release um, these emotions that can be very, well, not, not only in the mind, but also in the body. I think that's the thing about emotions is that, um, you know, things like trauma, like past traumas people have had, it's not only in the mind, it's also mm. in the body as well, which yes. you know, you're probably, probably aware of. Um, so it's amazing for that. It, it really is. And it's so fast as well. It's so fast. It's so simple. And it's that simple that I can teach someone how to do it in that session. So. Yeah, I think there's a lot more evidence that's coming out now um, about the, the effects of trauma physically and um, stress and anxiety that has physically to your body as well. I mean, it's all connected, isn't it? Um, learning a lot recently with, with my friend Liz because we did an anti-inflammatory diet, but also in line with something called energy alignment method as well and talking right. about those energies that you just mentioned and about where they are in your body. She talked very much about them being like different chakras, yeah and tuning into those so yeah it, it, it's all very it, it's all very connected so would you say um that kind of therapy is a self-care kind of technique yeah i think it is because you know i encourage my clients to use it um and it's and it's very simple in fact um i could probably i can probably send a link to you of a video of me demonstrating that oh yeah that'd be good people can have a look at that yeah uh, basically it's just uh, it, it's so simple but people people are amazed by how effective it is you know, I've had people with lifelong, well, virtually lifelong phobias that have come in. We've done one tapping sequence and it's gone and never come back. So wow, that's powerful. It sounds a bit too good to be true, but yeah. it really, it really is amazing. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying every time that you tap, you're going to have a life changing result, but it, it is possible that it could be, you know, seconds. It can shift things. It's, I think it's great for self care because, because it's simple and mm -hmm. you can use it. Say when you know, I get my family. To, um, to use it you know my mom uses it when she gets stressed um you know she gets stressed she said you know she, she knows how to use the tapping to to release it mm -hmm. um and yeah it's something you can use you know I, I encourage my clients to, to use it before they go to sleep at night so if they've had any stress from that day to do the tapping to release the stress you know take the body um out of the stress mode and you know into sort of relaxation That's mode yeah yeah yeah, and um, also in the morning as well, you know, people wake up if they're kind of stressed about the day, they can use the tapping just to bring the stress down to relax the body. I think it's really, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a great, a, a great uh, method of self-care, actually, one of my favourites. Is it something that you practice yourself? Yeah, I use, I use the tapping myself when I need to. I'm fine, I don't need to use it as much as I used to, uh, which is good. But yeah, I do use the tapping occasionally. Uh, but I've also got a few other little techniques that I use as well um, that I teach my clients as well. Uh, one of the, one of my favorite ones is um, called, well, I call it the figure of eight. It's basically just a, an, you know, the infinity sign, the figure of eight, the sideways, sideways eight, uh, and you trace it across your forehead. So with your fingertips across your forehead and uh, it's, it, it's amazing. It, it is amazing how relaxing it is for people. And some people have told me that, you know, they've, I, I, I ran a, a meditation group until, um, until the first lockdown basically. Um, and some people came in there and they've been stressed for a long time, you know, and they'd never found anything that, that made them relax. And, you know, a lot of people said that nothing else really worked for me until I found 
found out about this figure of eight, which kind of really, really made it easy for them to get into those really relaxed, uh, relaxed states, those deep states of relaxation, of focus, of meditation. So the figure of eight is really powerful as well. I use that a lot myself and I get all my clients to use it as well. Oh, I've not heard of that one before, but I can see because I think that's one of the things that people struggle with, whether they're doing like a mindfulness technique or a medication, uh, medication, meditation, not medication <laughs> is get switching your brain off, isn't it? Because modern yeah. day life is so busy and your head's bombarded with so much stuff. It's really difficult to switch it off, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and that's that, you know, I think that's why it's uh, anything that you can do that's simple, that's powerful like that. It's a mindful technique for a start, but also um, I think there's a bit more going on as well. I think it's, I think the research has shown that it can help to release oxytocin into your, you know, to help with the release of oxytocin into the, into the body, which obviously is the, you know, like a feel good chemical, mm. if you like. Um, so it's the same, it's, it's actually the same chemical that, that you get when you stroke a, an animal so oh, we talked about pets didn't we because uh, i don't know if any of our listeners might have heard a few howlings in the background but there's there's a few dogs out and about around where we are aren't they i was going to say that yeah we, we, we mentioned that and you know it's the same thing really with with animals that's why so many people have pets i guess because they do give you that mm. that oxytocin that feel good feeling if you like and also you know they, they also give you the feelings of kindness and I, I don't know if you've touched on kindness in one of your previous podcasts but it's kind of you know kind you know kindness has been shown to have amazing effects on the body and the mind uh, in fact i think you said you might be doing that at a later later date did you yeah. um yeah I, don't, I think uh we've got giving and connection is a later date but i mean it's all connected isn't it and yeah. um there's a oh there's a chap i can't remember what his name is it's a scottish guy but he talks very much about Dr. David Hamilton. That's the chap. Yeah. I love yeah, a Scottish yeah. accent. So yeah. I like listening to him. He's great. Yeah. And he really, he really kind of exudes that kindness himself. I've met yeah, him yeah. Person before and he's really, he's really genuinely as you expect him to be really. Mm. Yeah. Cause he talks a lot about like the power of uh, kindness and also in terms of being kind and how it affects you, you as a person. And I love, oh, I can't remember exactly, and you, you'll probably be able to, to describe this better, but he talks about like, you know, how kindness is not contagious. So if you're kind to somebody, it, they're going to be like 80% or 90% more likely to be kind to that next person. And then it kind of carries on as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was, uh, I think, you know, he often talks about the story about the, I think it was somebody donating a kidney in America or something. And it led on to a big chain effect of all these people getting getting kidneys donated or something. So it's kind of yeah, you kind of. He, he, I'm not saying you should go that far, obviously. You don't need yeah. to do anything, but it's kind of it just gives you, it just gives you an idea of how yeah how contagious kindness is and kindness towards others is self care as well because yeah. it has amazing effects on your body and your mind. And um, I think they, they they actually studied the Buddhist monks like um, in in Tibet that do the loving kindness meditation and they analyze their brains I think they did a brain scan of their brains and kind of compared it to an average average person and um they had a much more developed much more developed um prefrontal cortex which is the you know the part of the brain which is kind of to do with resilience things like that I believe and um so that so that was that, that that was more visibly developed in them you know these people that practice this loving kindness meditation so you can see you can actually see physical changes in the brain as well um which made them a lot more resilient a lot more uh, a lot calmer, a lot less stressed, obviously. So it's really interesting that the effects that kindness can have. So kindness towards others is a is definitely a form of self care. And kindness to yourself as well. I think that's really important. Yeah, of course. Yeah, kindness towards. Uh, and I actually do a meditation with with people when I do when I do my group sessions. Um, we we do a meditation where we 
so we give kindness. We, we visualize giving kindness to somebody or an animal. It's often an animal. Actually, with children, I do it with an animals, especially because they like to. It's easy for them to imagine holding a little puppy or kitten or something like that. My cat's uh, meowing while you're saying animals. Yeah. That's why I'm laughing in the yeah. background. Sorry. Uh, give me some kindness. Yeah. Um, so yeah. The, so so we get visualize that first of all, giving the kindness. Uh, then we visualize giving it to yourself. So the same feeling that you had, because people find that harder. But if you if you kind of felt it for felt it for somebody else or something else before, then you can turn it towards yourself. It's like you like you're giving yourself a hug, really. And then finally, we imagine them. We imagine connecting with the people that care about us. So we imagine they're around us in a circle, giving kindness to us, and we're we're, we're accepting it and receiving it. That sounds like a very uplifting exercise to do that. Yeah, I used to do it. So I used to do that weekly with with my group until the first lockdown. But it was. Yeah, really powerful for people, I think. And I've done it with children as well. And children love that one as well. You yeah. have to simplify it a little bit, but it's it works really well. Have you got more self-care tips then to share with us, um, yeah, so, Ian? So, I, mean, I, I was going to say that obviously sleep is a big one. You know, yeah. making sure that you, I mean, because, you know, I work with people all the time who are struggling with sleep. And I've done workshops on Zoom before people about sleep, you know, about sleep and how to how to get better sleep, things like that. So, you know, obviously the basic sleep hygiene, things like that. Um, you know, making sure that you, as much as you can, that you wind down for a while before you, before you go to sleep. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, but I use, you know, using electronics at times before. Uh, I think we all are. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of hard, especially when your business is reliant on it as well. Um, it's kind of hard to, to put it down sometimes, but I think it's really important to have like half an hour, an hour before, before bed without it. Uh, because that blue light as well is having, you know, a big effect on, on your your brain and also the release of melatonin which is really important for your sleep it can kind of all that blue light can stop that from being from being released so that can make make it hard to go to sleep then but but there's kind of the, the other thing really was oh yeah the, the other thing actually i've just thought about this because i've got i've got a pair of these i don't know if you've heard of them these blue light filtering glasses mm, yeah i've heard of those yeah yeah so so basically i've got a pair that i wear i don't wear them as much as i should actually but after the idea is after 6 p.m the body's naturally meant to release melatonin to kind of make us feel like you know we need to wind down it's time to go to go to sleep now Uh, but with all the blue light around that's actually it's actually interfering with that and you know the blue light from screens and phones Mm -hmm. and and everything so the idea is you just put these after 6 p.m and you wear them until until you go to sleep and it kind of filter they filter out all the the blue light or a lot of the blue light anyway so it kind of allows your body to naturally get into its rhythm again so yeah, they're, they're quite, they're quite, they're, they're actually a growing thing. There's quite a lot of them around now, uh, but I can, I can give some links if you like afterwards. Do you, do you find that they help you with your sleep? Yeah, I, I do. I do. When, when I, when I stick to it and, and wear them for long enough, definitely. Um, I think it's, it's, it, there's a real difference. Definitely. Yeah. Cause I think the blue light does, the blue light definitely has an impact on the way you feel. And obviously, yeah. And you do notice actually the next day when you've done it and you know, if I turn my phone off an hour before and I've worn these glasses I do tend to feel more refreshed in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, because sleep is something that I sometimes struggle with. And it's one of the things we talk about on the um, the Happy Happy next week about thinking about little things that are a self-care. And I think sometimes people don't realise some of these things like getting a good night's sleep, like getting out and doing some exercise every day, eating a healthy diet. 
some people don't see these as self-care and sometimes they feel like these can be a bit of a chore so you know like when you're joining swimming world or something like that there's there's still this resentment resentment almost to it but it's all these little things that can help you with your physicality but also your mental health as well so we do talk about that sleep and I'd never like somebody's mentioned sleep hygiene to me a few months ago and I'd never heard it that term sleep hygiene before Mm. I mean, I mean, I'll just, I can just explain it briefly if you like, because some people might be like, sleep hygiene, does that mean I have to be, you know, my have a bath before I go to bed? <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. No, it's basically just about um, making sure that you, well, it's just make, making making good choices before you go to sleep, I guess, and, mm. you know, not engaging your brain too much, you know, in the, the hour before for sleep, if you like, and then to make sure that you, you reduce the electronic gadgets and everything that you're using before you go to sleep. And then, you know, maybe reading, if you like, you know, if that helps you, some people like to read, some people just like to, might like to do a meditation or visualization, listen to a bit of relaxing music, calming music, mm. or, um, yeah, there's, there's no right way of doing it. It's just what works for you, really. Yeah, and that's something we wanted to get across in the app as well about um, how different things work for different people. Because, you know, some people will be like, oh, that doesn't work for me. But it's like finding something that works for you. But also making sure that um, some self-care things that you do might be need to be different on different days. So if you've had a busy day at work and you need to wind down, the self-care that you do then might be different from if you're feeling a bit lower down. So it's always thinking about what what is it that I need to do? And it might need to be different for me, but also different for the time of day. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And if you've got children as well, you know, people that have children as well, obviously you just have to work work with what you can, really, because, you know, I think that's the other thing that just really just came to me then, actually, that, you know, some of my clients, a lot of my clients have children. So that can make things, you know, it can, it can make things a little bit more complicated just because you don't have quite as much time and you have to work around them a lot of the time. So it's whatever you, whatever you can fit in and what works for you in your routine, I think. Um, not to pressurise yourself too much into trying to fit too much into... Into, you know into a short time absolutely and I think time is a, a really big constraint um especially like in in the modern day where we're living where we're just constantly bombarded from from things electrical d- devices and just jet life in general um but also I think the, the the key thing is about not making it take too much time and I think there's some simple self-care things that you can do to make it easier for you like having a list of little self-care things that you do so that you can just go to them and pick them and one of them a bit like the gratitude journal that Ben was talking about is just having like a book and I know a few people who do do this where they've just kept like little things or cards that people have sent them or photos of happy happy memories so you know if you're feeling a little bit down and um, one of my very good friends, she said her sister felt like that a little bit last year where, you know, everybody's lives have been affected by the, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And she she really felt like last year she her life had stood to still that she'd done nothing. But then she actually looked back on her Facebook and I know social media is a, that can go either way sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But she looked back on her social media and in between the, the times when we were let out and between lockdowns, she'd been to somebody's wedding, she'd done this, she'd done that. And actually looking back on it, she felt a lot better. She was like, actually, there are things that I have done. It's just reminding yourself, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's really good. It's really it's a really good point as well to like point out the things that you have you have done mm-hmm. instead of, you know, dwelling on things that you haven't done as well. And and and, and I think um, it's important not only not only with what with things that you do, but also things that you've achieved as well. So to say to give yourself credit for what you've oh yeah the things that you've done well because I think a lot of people are very 
you know, beat themselves up quite easily if something goes wrong or they don't, something doesn't go quite how they wanted it to, but then they don't give themselves enough credit for, for what they, what they have done well. And, and to, you know, to say, you know, I've done, I, I did that really well, you know, I've, I've done really well there and I need to give myself a pat on the back. Because yeah, a lot of time people, that, do we? No. A lot of the time people won't tell you either if they, you know, if you've done something well, people won't tell you necessarily. Um, so it's kind of, I think you've just got to, you've got to realize it, you know, and think about how far you've come as well sometimes. Yeah. And that we're all kind of still here after everything that's happened this year as well. That's an achievement, yeah. you know. You know, you got, got through this very difficult year and, you know, a year that's been like no other year ever before, I guess. Mm. I want to go back to the, the, the bit about time as well, because um, I know it's something that you wanted to pick up and I think it's really important as well, is about, you know, having the, making the time for yourself and being able to kind of say no to people, because you mentioned about boundaries, didn't you? That's a really important part of self-care. Yeah, one of the most important things of all, actually. I think someone shared a quote on my Instagram yesterday, actually, that, you know, I, um, I saw the quote. It's interesting, just, it obviously was meant to happen just before. Yeah, it, obviously but... it's a sign. That saying no is 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 one of the highest forms of self care. That was the quote. Um, I like that. And I really I really agree with that because I think a lot of my clients anyway, a lot of my clients that are struggling with mental health and the well you know their well being and being feeling really tired and everything. A lot of them do struggle to say no to people and end up you know always doing things for other people and not doing never hardly ever doing anything for themselves. Um, and the issue with that is. The not, not only can it affect you mentally, but also, you know, it can affect you physically as well. Um, you know, I get people who come in and have had, you know, very, very, very tired, you know, sometimes even at a level of like chronic fatigue. And I think sometimes the body or, or the mind, subconscious mind will go, right, you know, if you're not going to stop yourself, I'm, I'm going to find a way of stopping you for mm -hmm. a while. So, you know, I think you, it's important because it can eventually affect you physically. I, I get that all the time with my clients. You know, and I work with the other thing, I work with people with physical pain as well. And maybe some people that are listening might have, you know, some kind of chronic pain. And that can be, you know, that it often seems to occur in the people that have not been able to say no in the past, you know, and, and that have kind of burnt themselves out or have kind of done things, just done so many things for other people. It obviously, it's not always, but sometimes in my, you know, in my, uh, my experience, that has definitely been, been the case. Oh, I might need to talk to you about our next series because our next series is going to be very much about people with chronic illnesses and how it's affected their mental health as well as their physical and where they got help from. So we've had people in the past on our podcast who've been like sort of ambassadors for things like PCOS or fibromyalgia. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and I think there's still a lot of awareness that we can do about some of these um, chronic uh, illnesses that people have that are not so much visible. You know, you can't you can't always see them, but that just the impact that they can have very much on your physical and mental. So I might might have to request you to be a guest again, Liam. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. I mean, I actually use a, um, a therapy called old, old Pain to Go as well, which can be used for uh, used to help reduce the symptoms of uh, chronic pain, um, fibromyalgia, which is obviously, you know, in that category, um, chronic fatigue, things like that. So you can actually you can kind of. It's about working with the subconscious mind to kind of to kind of well, to, to, to kind of see things from a different perspective and allow the allow changes to take place that will ease the symptoms, if you like. And it really does work. It does work very, very, very well. It's not something that's like mainstream yet. You know, it's not something that's accepted by the NHS or whatever necessarily. Uh, but it is, it is some, you know, some of some of my colleagues get amazing results with it. I don't do it that often, but some some of my clients do get amazing results with that. 
Mm, it's interesting because I think sometimes quite often modern medicine doesn't alleviate a lot of these people's uh, symptoms and pain. So, you know, when somebody's tried absolutely everything, they'll be willing to try, you know, something else that's, you know, a little bit maybe out of the ordinary, but an alternative therapy. So absolutely. And, the, you know, there isn't really a lot of these conditions. There isn't a sort of a mainstream explanation for them. No, so, there's not, is there? No, don't know. And there isn't, you know, there isn't, I think, you know, in, in some cases, there's not enough focus on the root cause of it. And how do we, you know, the, what's the root cause? Why is it there? Is that it's there for a reason? You know, because I, I, I do believe that it always is in to some degree. So um, I just want to kind of reiterate on this podcast as well about how important self-care is. And we kind of touched on it a little bit when you were saying about people are always doing things for other people and they always put themselves at the bottom of the pile. And I know this is an old phrase, but it's a reason that it's an old phrase and still a very well-known phrase is that, that old phrase about you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. So still probably you probably get this with your clients that people still think that self-care or taking time for yourself is um, selfish mm-hmm. or they feel guilty for it. But again, you know, if you're looking after friends and family and a lot of people have during pan- the pandemic, if they've got el- older relatives or and looking after them. But it's really important, isn't it, to look after your own health and mental health? Yeah, absolutely. And it isn't it absolutely isn't selfish because, you know, it's actually re- probably the most selfless thing you could do in a way. Because like you said, you know, you're filling your cup and you, so, you know, you've got a lot more to give to others when you've taken that time for yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's the opposite of selfish, I think. But yeah, you're right. A lot of people do think that it is selfish and see it as selfish and, you know, think I have to put everybody else first. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some times when you need to put yourself first and it's absolutely not selfish to do that. And, you know, to say no when somebody's, and, and I think we mentioned it before, before we, we came on actually about how saying no is, you know, you don't necessarily have to say the word bluntly you can you know I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that some people are comfortable doing that um but you know there are other ways of other ways of doing it you can do it more gently if you like if it's if you're more comfortable with it but I think it's you know it's absolutely vital it's it's essential and um I think it was um I, think, I can't remember which successful person it was business person I can't remember but they, they said that the most successful people say no more so because because you know you have to look after yourself you have to look after you have to protect your boundaries you have to make sure that you're um, physically able to do what you do best. And if you're, you know, if, if you're really tired and really, um, you know, exhausted, stressed, you're not going to be, you know, you're just not going to be at your best no matter what it is. Yeah, and you're not going to benefit from the people around you are not going to benefit from it as well. And if I think also if people around you knew how much, you know, you were struggling and how much, how tired you were and helping them, they'd be like, well, don't bother, you know, don't you yeah. look after yourself, but people yeah, don't that, talk about it, do they? That's really true. The other thing is that, you know, different people have different uh, thresholds of how much oh, cool. yeah. activity they can take and how much, you know, how, how, how much some people can go on, go for a lot longer than others. And you, you have to, you have to kind of respect your own, well, you have to respect your own boundaries, I guess, mm, and, yeah, yeah. and to accept that you are you and everybody you, else is different. Yeah, exactly. And only, <laughs> only you know when enough is enough. And you've got to, I think you've got to respect your body when, when that happens. It reminds me of Liz, um, Liz that usually does the, the podcast with me. She is such a giving, lovely person and she'll do anything for everybody. But again, I think there's certain times when she puts other people first. But I know that 
if I had like one tenth of her energy for put doing getting out there and doing things for other people, I'd be happy with that. But yeah. I know I'm nowhere near her, but I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Absolutely. You just kind of accept you accept where you're at. And you, you have different strengths to to Liz as well, I'm sure. You know that yeah. you do things, she does different things well than to the things that you, you you do well. So Yeah, we'll do things differently. Mm. So Liam, um, we're going to be coming to the end of our podcast, but one of the things that we always ask our guests is, um, "What makes you happy?" Present, being present makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, because actually, I realise the happiness is already there. Uh, when I'm present, oh. I realise I realise I don't need anything to be present. You know, and I, I fall into that illusion all the time. Thing, you know, oh, I need this, or you know, if I buy this, or if I do this, mm-hmm. or once I've achieved this, I'll be I'll be happy then. And then sometimes, you know, I'll just take a few moments and I'll go, you know what, I'm, all, I'm already there. You know, you've already you've already made it. There isn't anywhere to there isn't anywhere to go or to anything to anything to achieve necessarily. You can, of course, but it's to me, it's more should be seen as more of a bonus because you're already there. Um, you're already good enough. And when you when you realize that, I think you realize the happiness is already there. It's, it, it, it's not it's not out there. It's mm-hmm. always in, it's inside you already. That's very zen of you. My, my other half bought me the Dalai Lama book about happiness. I'm sure he says something sim- similar to that about yeah. happiness. It's not something to achieve. It, it's there already. You just need to find your own way to it. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it, it might have sounded a bit cliched that way. <laughs> the, more, the, more, the more time goes on, the more I think, oh, yeah, that really is, that really is true. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing really that I can do, I can do that's going to give me sustained happiness. There's nothing really that I can grab at that's going to, give me sustained happiness you know it's already already inside and you know ben and i discuss this quite a lot as well i bet you do yeah it sounds like something ben would say he sometimes has to remind me as well because you know you don't always notice these things in yourself but you know has to remind me that actually you know you're focusing on the things that aren't right sometimes and you need to bring your attention back into no back into what what is you know and appreciating and uh, gratitude as, as you said before you know gratitude for what is and yeah, taking that time. That's another thing. I think I think a, a gratitude practice is really good self-care as well. You know, whether it's just wake, waking up in the morning, just uh, to be honest, I think it's quite good in the evening to write down the things that you're grateful for that day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a very simple, you probably, you've probably heard of that before, but it's really simple. Just get a, a notepad and just write down the things that you're really grateful for. You know, it's just like five things or whatever that you're really grateful for that day. Yeah, that's what we've got everybody on our happy, happy doing this week, writing down five things every day. Oh, have you? Oh, brilliant. Okay, I must yeah. have. Mind <laughs> there, uh, but actually, one one of my he's almost my neighbour. Actually, there's a you know Rangan Chatterjee, the doctor, is on TV. No. Yeah, he's a he's a he's on. I think he's he's on TV quite a lot, but he does his own podcast now. He's worked with David Hamilton actually, but he oh. he talks a lot about um, gratitude, the importance of gratitude. So he's a medical doctor. He's he's a GP as well, but he's kind of gone into the podcasting world, mm. and he's a uh, so as well as talking as well as giving people tips on physical health. He talks a lot about mental health, the importance of gratitude, kindness, things like that. Um, what yeah. did you say his name was again? Because I'll look him up. Yeah, I think I might know who you, who you mean. Dr. Rangan, Rangan Chatterjee. I'll send you his, I'll send you his ah, name. Babs. Yeah, send us, send us all the good stuff. Mm. And one more question for you, um, Liam. Uh, what, what's your top tip for self-care or mental health, looking after your mental health thing? Uh, so we mentioned it before, we mentioned it before we came on, I think. It was just to keep it, keep everything simple, keep everything really simple um simple gets done I, you know I like it that's the way I look at it simple gets done you know if you can just do something simple every day mm-hmm. that is you do it consistently and even if it's just for a few minutes but you do it every day that's going to make a massive difference and 
you're not going to be overwhelmed by thinking, you know, I have to do half an hour of meditation now. And you know, I'm really like, like you said before, you know, I'm really tired today. Mm. I don't think I can do that. And it's overwhelming me. And then you might end up doing nothing. So I think it's really important to do something manageable that's, that's short, but powerful. Um, and I can, you know, I can link you to a few things that people might want to try. Oh um, yeah. We'll put it on our resources tab. Yeah, yeah so definitely. I've got a video and some, um, little diagrams of things that people can do little technique mm-hmm. which are really simple um, and quick and and there's no reason for you not to do them really because of that <laughs> ben was saying when we did our zoom session he's like i'm not going to be a teacher because i know ben's worked in schools and things as well i'm not going to tell you yeah. you've done it and tell you off if you haven't but you know at the end of the day it's just it's fitting things in and i always say sometimes when i'm working with clients as well or when i was because i used to be a swimming world consultant okay. sometimes you'll say things to people or su- suggest things to people and you can't make people do stuff but you're just planting that seed and sometimes they might go away and do it straight away but then they might think about it for a while like you were saying everybody's different and then they kind of do it a few weeks down the line or or a month down the line and they tell you they've done it and you're like oh, someone was listening to me all along. They just needed a, a little bit of time to decide for themselves to do it rather than you telling them, because that doesn't work either, does it? No, exactly. And when people realise that it works and it's simple, they'll do it. And that's the yeah. thing. If it's simple, people will do it. If it's too complicated, people will fall off the wagon a lot of the time. Yeah, so you, you've got to keep things simple as much as you can. So Liam, if somebody wanted to use your services or wanted to contact you to know about more about what you do and things, um, where could they find you? We'll put all your information in the show notes, but where's the best place they could they could find it, find you? Yeah, so go. You can go onto my website, liamhand.com. Simple. Uh, just go go on there, have a look at what I do, have a read through, see what you see what you think, and um, you know, I, I guess see if you resonate with what I do, and then um, you can contact, all the contact details are on there. So you can email me, liam at liamhand.com. Um, you can give me a call, whatever. And also you can contact me through Facebook. So Liam Hand Coaching on there and Instagram saying Liam Hand Coaching. So you can uh, send me a message on there if you like. A lot of people do that. Um, and it seems to be the modern way now. People like to. Yeah. <laughs> quite a lot, so. You're based in Wilmslow, aren't you? You said. Yeah. So I live in Wilmslow, uh, work in Manchester and in, and in Wilmslow. So, so we're a bit of a mixture, really. And on Zoom, obviously. I was going to say, do you do you, uh, help clients yeah. virtually as well online? I do a lot of clients yeah. on Zoom, so I see people internationally on Zoom. But, um, but yeah, I enjoy the face-to-face as well. So I do those in some part of the time in Wilmslow, part of the time in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Okay, fabulous. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Liam. I've really enjoyed our um, our call today. Great, and thank th- you. Yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking to me. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for inviting me. You're very welcome. All right, take care and I'll speak to you soon. You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy.